work Working on better versions of me Every day so I can become the person I'm trying to be I evolve Every day's another opportunity Getting right and eating good That ain't nothing new to me I thrive To be the strongest and the healthiest I can Yeah, it's all part What's up guys? Welcome back to the Work Evolve Thrive Podcast Today's episode is the three things that I learned last week Remember, it's something I read Something I listened to And something that life taught me. My goal in life, my purpose, my passion, my mission is to take things that I learned from great individuals, inspiring people, and share them to my community, to my network. My goal is to create a culture of people who have high standards, who are trying to live their best, happiest, most fulfilling life. We've all had or we've all been in a bad place within our life. We've all had a bad chapter of our story. But how do we turn that and shift that into a positive momentum or movement going forwards? And I continually to learn and research from those people, from great minds. The book I'm reading right now, what I'm learning, is called The Greatness Mindset. How do I shift my mind and my life towards that greatness? And that greatness is going to be different for each and every one of us. But how do we get there? And these episodes of what did I learn this week are to kind of share that information that I'm learning with you guys. Also, I wasn't a very good student. It takes me a long time to read and absorb. A lot of books I read, it's for like, just get the shit done. It's part of the habit, the daily habit. Drill in the daily habit. 10 pages a day, drill that shit in. But I'm drilling it in, but I'm not necessarily learning. So for me, it's always how can I increase my aptitude for learning? How can I learn more efficiently? How can I learn faster? And one of the best ways to learn is to teach. So even if I get no listeners on this and nobody's listening to me, I'm still absorbing more information. I'm still getting closer and closer to achieving my version of greatness. And that's going to be different for each and every one of us. Yeah, we don't have Jen on. We haven't had Jen on for a while because her version of greatness is in a different avenue. So we have the luxury of getting her every once in a while and the episodes are better. They're more conversational. I don't like record three or four different variations because I'm not a crazy person when she's here, but when I'm sitting alone, sometimes I stutter, sometimes I lose my train of thought, sometimes I'm all over the place and I'll stop and then record again. So when we're having the conversations, it's real natural flow versus kind of what I'm doing now. It's just rambling. But let's talk about those three things I learned. First thing is what I read. I'm reading, again, Lewis Howe's The Greatness Mindset. How do we take the mindset we're living in right now and improve on it? How do we become great? And it all starts within our mind. Talk about the fitness and weight loss journey all the time. It all starts within our head, our thought process, the decisions and actions we take all come from our mind. So how do we create a greatness mindset? How do we do some shifts within our mind so we're more powerful, that um, we're more disciplined, we're more motivated, we're more inspired? That all starts within our mind. And these are skills that are perishable, skills that need to be built. And in the greatness mindset, he gives us tools and tactics to build those skills, to deal with past traumas, how to work through shit, one of the most profound things that he helped me realize, and it's only been 10 days, takes me a long time to read a book, especially this book, it's like 300 pages, so I'm probably about 20 to 25 days 
Again, slow reader. Takes me a long time to absorb. I get my minimum of 10 every day. That's 10 pages. Sometimes it goes up to 15. Sometimes it goes up to 20. But most of the times it's between 10 and 12. So it takes me a long time to read. But the biggest thing I took away from this, or I'm taking away from this, that I implemented it to my daily routine is treating your schedule like it's your best day ever. So normally, like I've been trying to schedule, and Andy Frisella has this thing called the power list. What are the top five things you need to accomplish today to have a successful day? And that's a power list. It's aggressive, assertive, powerful. And I always had a hard time being consistent with that because it's a like it's only five things, but if there are five things that's gonna push you forward, it can be hard to achieve and maintain those things because it's seen in a, I don't want to say a negative way, but an aggressive way. It's like, I need to get this shit done. I have to get this shit done. If I'm going to be successful, I got to get it done. And I always felt a challenge to be consistent with that. And I've felt a challenge to keep a consistent schedule. So my schedule for the past, whatever, 15 years of my life, I'm not a big phone person putting you shit in the phone. Everyone's like, just use a calendar on your phone. I hate technology. I hate going on my phone. I hate inputting stuff. I feel like it takes too long. I feel like once I open my phone, there's a lot of ways I could get sucked into different things. So if I don't have to use my phone at all, I'm I'm much happier. I do not want to be on the phone. I don't want to use my phone. I have a little bit of a social media addiction. So I the less I touch it, the less apt I'm going to go into those social media apps or go searching down a rabbit hole on YouTube or online. So I'm going to avoid my phone. So a lot of my schedule I keep same time, same week, um, and it just go with the flow. I just show up when I'm supposed to show up. I schedule people when I know I'm going to be there, and I just go like within my mind. My schedule is within my mind, and that's it. And then I would do the power list. The power list is those top five things. And but I'd go in and out. When I was doing the power list, I'd be pretty good at being productive. And then when I don't, I'm really not good at being productive. And then I go back and forth and in and out of these waves. You know, some with my personality, I have a rebellious personality. And when someone tells me to do something, I tend to want to do the exact opposite. And I've been that way my whole life. So when I have like, you gotta do this. I'm like, nah, fuck you. I'm not doing that shit. So when I'm writing that down, a lot of times like, oh man, fuck that. I'm not doing that shit. So Lewis Howes kind of switched that mindset for me. What would be the perfect day for you? What would the perfect day look like? Now, yeah, we all have shit we need to get done. We have the like prerequisites. We have that, you know, admission of entry of the stuff we need to get done today. We have our job. We have to take the kids to school. We have to do all these different things. But we also have free time in there. What would be your perfect day? What would that look like? How would you design a day that would make you happy? And I was like, huh, I really thought about that. You know, what would make me happy? Yeah, work. I like working. I'm passionate. It's my mission to connect with people, to do stuff. And I would now I'm writing that stuff in there. My nap, I took a nap every day. I'm writing that in there. I'm doing my 10 pages of reading, practicing my Duolingo. I'm writing it in there. Um, time with kids, I'm writing that in there. And to see like how my day is structured and to do the things I want to do, like that would be my perfect version of a day. It's a different twist of things I have to do versus things I want to do. I have a desire to do. 
And that little shift was big for me in my mind. Like, I want to do this shit. So why am I going to avoid it? Why am I going to procrastinate? Why am I going to skip doing it till tomorrow? If I have the time, I should be doing what I want to do. And the last 10 days that I've been doing that, I've felt so much more productive. Productive in my life with the things I want to do. And it's been a great little shift for me. And I would recommend everybody trying that. Time it. I'm going to spend 15 minutes doing that, 45 minutes doing this. I'm going to block one hour for that. I'm going to take my nap for 45 minutes and line it how you exactly want to follow it throughout your day. Yeah, shit's going to happen. Yeah, things are going to come up. But for the most part, we should be able to design our perfect day each and every day. And if we live chasing our perfect day, I feel a different kind of sense of fulfillment and happiness. And that's just chasing my perfect day. And that's a little mindset shift from a power list of being assertive and aggressive and attacking versus, no, nah, I'm going to do the shit I want to do. I'm just going to be me. Do you, boo-boo. And that's what I've been doing, and I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. So design your perfect day. Time it out. Enjoy it. I love it because at the end of the day, we're all trying to chase our perfect life. I'm just going to cough real quick to hold on. <coughs> all right. I had a little tickle. All right, thing I listen to. So I don't know if you guys have known me for a long time, but I used to do a ton of cold exposure. I designed my own cold tub. I uh, had a freezer from Home Depot that I bought, scratch and dent, filled it up with water. Well, first I sealed it, filled it up with water, put it on a timer to keep the water nice and cooled. But during the pandemic with all the food shortages, I ended up buying a whole cow. So now my cold tub is now a meat freezer. But I was big, big into the cold exposure and all the benefits. And there's a neuro, neuroscientist out of, of Stanford, Stanford University, called Andrew Huberman. And he's like getting really popular now. You can see him on social media. He was just on Joe Rogan. Um, that's where this is to listen to. He was just on Joe Rogan talking about a bunch of different things. But they got into a, a long time of cold exposure because he does cold exposure. Andrew Huberman and Joe Rogan is big into cold exposure. And it makes me want to buy another cold tub. But uh Gents a little bit against it because they're a little expensive. The one I want is like five grand, but then there's another one that's like three grand. But I want to buy like one that has a uh, filtration system because dirty water and cleaning it every week or two weeks out of the cold uh, out of the freezer is just a pain in the ass. So I want something with a filtration system so I could go three months, three four months without changing the water. So cold exposure. What I didn't realize about cold exposure is the physical benefits, right? We all, cold exposure, you think about like anti-inflammatory properties, the um, increase of brown fat. Brown fat is like a, a fat that helps us burn energy. So when we're in extreme cold, brown fat is like an energy source that helps warm us up. Shivering helps warm us up. Being cold increases our metabolism and helps us burn more calories. So just from getting cold alone and attacking cold, we could burn a little bit extra fat. Attacking cold stimulates um, different hormones in our body like epinephrine and norepinephrine that are like feel-good hormones that last for four to six hours after our cold exposure. And there's really nothing else like that. But what I didn't realize and what I learned was we could get increases of strength after brief sources of cold exposure. And right now they're doing research in Stanford where all the athletes do cold exposure before training. They even have designed these gloves where you pick, put your hands in to get your hands cold before lifting 
um, like on a bench press or something, and we're seeing increases in strength. So cold exposure, there's so much benefit behind it, but we all don't like to do this. And we can think about uh, extreme temperatures. So getting hot, getting cold is something we've naturally done throughout our entirety of evolution. But now we all have our houses set for 65, 70 year round. And we're missing a lot of the hormonal benefits that we get from hot and cold exposure. So that's how, that's why I believe we're starting to see it more now is get cold. Okay, now get hot because we're not allowing the systems to naturally work as they would before, right? Sleeping out in a 17 degree night outside, whatever, even a hundred years ago with a little bit of a fire is a lot different than we sleep now. So the systems and processes are there and this, the stimulation of our hormones is there. The systems are there, but we don't utilize them. So if we can get benefits um, with our mind, benefits with our body, why would we not just from a brief, short, cold exposure? So I'm just going to read something from after. I mean, I'm just going to read a couple things about enhancing our mood. This is from Huberman Lab, um, Stanford, from Huberman Lab. This is on his website, Rehor. While not true to every stress, cold exposure causes the prolonged release of dopamine, right? You think about dopamine is like a big thing right now. Dopamine is a powerful molecule capable of elevating mood, enhancing focus, attention, goal-directed behavior, etc. Even short bouts of cold exposure can cause a long-lasting increase of dopamine and sustain elevation of mood, energy, and focus. Boom. That sounds pretty good. Why wouldn't we do that? Metabolism. In a short term, cold exposure increases metabolism as the body has to burn calories to increase the core body's temperature. So it's, what was crazy about listening to this is when we're doing cold exposure, when we're in a cold shower, when we're in a cold tub, the body actually warms up. So when we get out, we're hot, right? Vice versa, when we go in a sauna, the body cools down. So externally, we're hot in the sauna. Externally, we're cold in the cold tub. But the exact opposite happens within our body, which is pretty cool. So our body's working really hard to counteract what's going on. So the outside, um, like in a sauna, you're really hot. You're sweating. Sweating is our body's process of cooling down the body. Cold tub, the exact opposite. All the blood flow is going to our internal organs that keep us safe. So we have to do things like increase calories, increase energy production to do that, to keep us warm, to keep us cool, to fight against our external sources. So that's pretty cool. Um, last one I'm going to read was the increased energy and focus. Another one, a deliberate cold exposure causes a significant release of epinephrine, aka adrenaline, and norepinephrine, aka noradrenaline, in the brain and body. These neurochemicals make us feel alert and can make us feel agitated and as if we need to move or vocalize during cold exposure. Cold causes their levels to stay elevated for some time. And their ongoing effect after the exposure is to increase your level of energy and focus, which can be applied to other mental or physical activities. So we're getting these boosts of dopamine, epinephrine, norepinephrine, to think we're not just getting in there for to be cold. We get all these increased benefits. So strength, mood, all right, focus, energy, all from just getting cold. A brief cold exposure, cold shower, cold submersion water, cryotherapy, all work to do this. It's pretty interesting, pretty cool. Recommendation for you is get cold. Just get cold. All right. Last one so we can get out of here and get it done. What did I learn in life? In life, 
we're going to have stressful, inconvenient periods of our life. My wife and I, we weren't in the best relationship place this week. And we got a lot going on, a lot going on at the house, a lot of responsibilities, like we all have. Everyone's got responsibilities. And sometimes they can get overwhelming. We we all work. Um, we all have people to take care of. We all have a laundry list of responsibilities to get done. And sometimes you could feel like you're under the water or in a hamster. We all just can't catch a break. And sometimes you could feel like it's putting a divide in your relationship. And we had a little bit of a divide in our relationship this week. Jen really wants me to go to Paris with her. Um, I don't really want to go. So she was a little angry with me. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go across uh, an ocean with all the things I have going on at home, especially um, leaving the kids with my in-laws or with my parents. I don't really want to do that. I don't feel safe or comfortable being across the ocean with no modes to get back other than a plane ride. What if something happens? What if something goes down? I'm stuck over there. I don't like that. I think as a man, I feel a little bit more protective over my children and I don't like being away. Normally when we do things, we all go together because of that. I do not like being away. I don't like my kids being with other people. I like to be in control as a protector of them. Okay? Simple. Makes sense. But I also have to be there for my wife. She wants me to go. I should go. So she was a little angry. Kinsley drives her crazy, which made her a little angry. I'm just always busy, so that makes her a little angry. So we had a little divide between us. And finally on Saturday, when we both caught some breath, we had a conversation. And it was a great conversation. And I think we're, we're fine now. But the thing is, you guys, we have to communicate how we feel both ways. She communicated how she felt and why she wanted me to go. I communicated on how I felt, why I didn't want to go. And then we had some give and take about how she could get what she wants and I could get what I want. And we had a lot, a lot of, it wasn't really a long conversation, but what I've taken away is we can't hide from how we feel. If we express it in a way that is true to what we believe and we stick to our values, it makes it much easier to have the conversation. I got BS'd and lied and not ended up going, but I knew that wouldn't make her happy. So it's like you got to kind of go back and forth. I know I'm just rambling here, but throughout my evolution of a man and as a human, when I get upset or angry, I shut down and avoid conversation, confrontation. I'm a, what do you call that? Um, give the silent treatment. I'm very good at the silent treatment. I could go forever. Um, if I don't want to talk to you, I don't want to talk to you. If I'm mad at you, it's over. Jen knows for sure. We've gone weeks back in the day, weeks, months without talking, just misery. And, and me not talking to her, I think is she drives her crazy. Like literally, I think anxiety, she starts popping Xanax, goes crazy, crazy, crazy. So learning how to communicate is a very big challenge for me 
to do. But when I do it, when I say how I feel and I say the truth, everything kind of falls into place. So what I would recommend is just to say the truth, say how you feel. Don't hurt people. Don't say things that hurt people, but say the truth of why you feel that way. Get out what you believe and have the conversation so you and your partner or loved one can be on the same page when it comes to literally anything. Finances, relationship, food, travel trips, um, anything. And the other thing is we all have ups and downs in the relationships. And I think communication and being able to communicate effectively leads to you rebounding to a happier place much faster and much faster. Again, like I said, the two weeks, months of silent treatment, this was like two days, one day, one day, two days, three days, whatever. It was pretty quick. I didn't even realize she was mad at me for like three days because I don't even know if she was mad at me. I don't know. But I know she wasn't in a very happy place. Whether the kids influenced my influence doesn't matter. It matters that is that we had the conversation, figured shit out, and are now back on the right trajectory. Those are the three things I learned. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys all soon.